0: Let's dive uh, right into this. I want to give you some uh, scriptures as a foundation. And then, doing so, uh, just impress upon your heart there's nothing uh, more relative to your victory as a child of God than walking in the love of God. Matthew 22, Jesus said these words when asked about what was the greatest commandment. He said in verse 37 Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang or depend on these two commandments or contingent upon these two commandments. So look at your neighbor and say, love God God. and love others. others. All over this building say, love God God. and love others. others. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the Bible says, And now these three remain or will endure faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Not a trick question. Let me ask it again. The greatest of these is? Love. Is love. All three of these are powerful spiritual forces, but none more powerful than the love of God. Now, when we talk about love, make sure that we understand that uh, the Scripture teaches of three dimensions of love. And the first one is actually believing that God loves you. Raise your hand if you believe God loves you. It's something we hear all the time, God loves you, God loves you, but you have got to have a revelation of of God loving you. The second dimension is where we love God. Everybody say, I love God. God. Sometimes we say that and we think we understand what loving God is all about, and today we'll find out how you perfect that kind of love. And then third is, of course, loving others. Your love is not perfected unless you truly have a revelation that God loves you and you walk in that love. The number two, that you actually love God, understand what that means and how to do that. And number three, that you're loving others. And how many oftentimes that's the one that gets us? If it weren't for people. Pastor, my love walk would be great if it were not for People. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never gone up to an, an inanimate object and said, You know, you really offend me. <laughs> <laughs> but it is people, animated, alive, but I remind you, made in the image of God just like you. Amen? So say it, I got to no, know God loves me. I, I got to love God. And I have to love others. To love well, Pastor, two out of three is not bad. <laughs> That's not going to cut it. You need more than two out of three. Perfect literally means mature. When we're talking about perfecting your love, we're talking about maturing your love. Your love is growing up. It's being cultivated or it's fully developed. The greatest weakness in the body of Christ today you know, is not a necessary lack of teaching or we don't know something about worship or, you know, boy, you sure we can figure out you know, how to tell our story. You know, we know that. The biggest problem in the body of Christ is not having perfected, mature, or grown-up love. And you see it in the inclination in people's lives, the inclination to get offended at the drop of a hat. And sometimes they'll drop the hat. This inability to forgive and move on in their lives. Second Timothy tells us in 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And a sound mind. What kind of spirit did He not give you? He did not give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you a spirit of power and of love. Say love. Love. And of a sound mind. And you'll find out that power, love, and sound mind all go together. It's like a package deal. Perfect love, the Bible tells us, drives out all fear. Can I have an amen? Amen. People with latent and ongoing fears in their lives Have them primarily because there's a dimension of love that is not being perfected. And you say, Pastor, I don't like what you just said. I don't like it either. There's a lot of things that are true that we may not like in the flesh. We would rather say it's that person's fault. It's this situation over here. It's the government. And yeah, the government needs some help. Can I have a good amen? But the reality is, if you're dealing with some fear, there's an issue with your love walk. And only the Spirit of God can tell you if that is where you believe God actually loves you. If you're in a situation, for example, that your life is threatened or something could come along your way or you have harm, you're saying to yourself, well, I'm petrified. This thing's going to happen to me. If you fully understood the love of God, you would not be petrified. Does that make sense? I've said this before. My brother-in-law was walking on the streets of Chicago and he was fellowshipping with Jesus people, you know, USA up there. And a man walked up to him on the streets of Chicago. Everybody say, what's new? It's Chicago. <laughs> and put a shotgun to his chin, literally touching his chin. And he said, you keep that Jesus with those people on the inside of that building. I'm going to blow your head off. And Ben just looked at him in love and just said, go ahead and pull that trigger because I don't live anymore anyway. Jesus lives in me, breathes through me. He works through my hands and he walks through my feet. Just go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, pull that trigger. The man just pulled, you know, pulled the shotgun away, shook his head and walked off. What is that telling you? It's telling you he didn't fear that man because he was being perfected in the love of God. Say, so perfect love casts out some fear. Perfect love casts out most of the fear. Perfect love casts out what? All fear. Fear of bumps in the night. Fear of various animals. Amen. Fear of, that, uh, fear of that strange uncle. Amen. Fear of tornadoes. Fear of hurricanes. Fear of this and fear of that. You say, no, that's just being healthy. When the Bible tells you that perfect love casts out all fear, your fear is not healthy. You do not need fear to protect yourself from a potential harm out there. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. Now, we're not talking about man's philosophy, man's theology. We're not talking about what the counselor says. We're talking about what the Word of God. I'll tell you this. Your life will be victorious if you forget everybody else and what they're saying and stick to the Word of God. That's right. amen. Say it, Perfect love perfect. or perfected love perfect. casts, out casts out how much? All, All fear. Fear tolerated, is often said, is faith contaminated. When we unplug from one, we plug into the other. Listen to what the apostle said in first John four eighteen. Fear indicates our love is not perfected. He says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has been made perfect in love. Uh, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. No fear exists where love is. This is from the good God's word for today. Rather, perfect love gets rid of fear. What does it do with it? When it's maturing, it gets rid of the fear. The person who fear, who has, who lives in fear, doesn't have perfect love. That's as plain as it can be stated. The person who has fear doesn't have perfect love. Shout it out. The person who has fear does not have perfected love. So what are you saying? If we get a perfected love, it'll push, it'll drive out the word. It'll drive out the fear. Yes, that's what the word of God says. Are you here today? Well, think of it this way, as we lay this foundation. Fear means we're out of love. And when we're out of love, our faith won't work. Because faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. It says, "For in Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Love drives out fear, leaving only faith, and that faith works by love. Love. We need to perfect, listen carefully, all three dimensions if we're going to have perfected love. Yeah. I have to perfect my revelation that God loves me. I have to perfect loving Him, understanding what Scripture says, it, you know what, what it means to love God. And third, I have to love others. Let me just put it out there as plain as I can. If you refuse to accept that from the Word of God, if you refuse to accept this teaching then you are condemning your life from this point on to two very important things. One, you're always going to have fear in your life. And two, your faith is not going to work. Now, if you've been in this church a week, you know we're a faith church. But what would you call an honest faith church? Just read the Bible, believe, and everything magically appears. No opposition, no challenges, no difficulties. No, fighting the fight of faith. No, it's a fight. And part of that is for you to stay in love. Because if you don't embrace this, and you don't take this seriously, you're always going to have fear of some kind in your life. How many of you have had enough fear already? You're done with it in Jesus' name. It's not some psychosis. It's not some kind of therapy. It's not some kind of counselor's you know, couch that you need. You need to get a revelation of the love and perfect it, and that'll push out the fear. If you don't get a hold of this, you'll have fear all the days of your life. If you don't get a hold of this, your faith won't work. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend a lifetime cultivating the principles of faith and then find out I'm compromising what I'm trying to believe God for because I won't stay in love. Yeah. Now, most of us, I think, are doing pretty good at number one and number two. If the Spirit of God speaks to you today and tells you that you need to work on a particular dimension, how are you going to work on that dimension? Amen. Let Him work in your life. But most of us are dealing with that third dimension because it involves interactions with people every single day. That means every single day you have the opportunity to slip back into fear and then cancel out your faith. I don't know about you, but I've come too far for that to happen. Say it with my faith is going to work. Come on, say it. My faith is going to work and I'm not putting up with any fear. Pastor Art, it's not normal to not have fear. You're right. Look at your neighbor and say, but you were born to be abnormal. There's nothing normal about the spiritual walk in Christ. It's a complete antithesis of everything you see around you. (laughs) See, I I I am abnormal. See, the claims of Scripture put you in a position to either go with God's Word or be weird. Well, we're weird and we should be getting weirder. Especially these last days. Say it with me. In Jesus' name, name, I'm perfecting that revelation that that God loves me. And I love Him. him, And I love people. Even stubborn people. Even cantankerous people. (laughs) Even ugly people. Even Even if they don't love me, I'm walking in love. I'll tell you why. Because that person's not worth you walking in fear and your faith not working. You don't have to say it to them, but you can say this, you know what? On the inside of your heart, you know, you are not worth my faith not producing. So I'm just going to go ahead and love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how do you perfect these three dimensions? It's not going to be uh, you know, big long list for you for each of these but one key thought for each of these types of love and I believe that if you'll focus on that you're going to be maturing in your love walk so first of all perfect the first dimension that God loves me perfect it with gratitude perfect it with gratitude how many can say with a raised hand God has been good to you can you raise it up higher and just wave and say thank God he's good and good to me Uh, we have a lifetime of testimonies and things he has done on our behalf. And I'm not talking about just mental assenting, yeah, God's been good. I'm talking about you getting to the habit of systematically thanking God day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, what he's done for you. This house is filled with testimonies of the goodness of God. What I'm saying to you is, according to the Word of God in the 1st Thessalonians, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Psalm 103, 1 4. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Anybody ever been forgiven in this room? Anybody ever been healed? Ever been healed? Anybody ever been delivered from some kind of a pit? Could have been an addiction or could have been depression. You were down there and it was dark, and who brought you up? He brought you up. Anybody here felt the love and the compassion of God crown you with his goodness and his covenant kindness as I say He's done amazing things for you. Amen. First Chronicles 1634. Oh give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. What are you giving him thanks for? Because of his love. He loves you. By systematically thanking God for all he has and will do, you'll develop a consciousness, a greater consciousness, that God really does love you. Just a, you know, a, a cursory review of, of my life. My life started, of course, in my mother's womb. I know that's a revelation to you. And she fell two or three times with me. And some of you are thinking, that explains a lot right there. <laughs> down the steps, I mean, down the hill. I mean, bubbles bounce, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> and I remember just being a little tyke when my brother was, you know, sitting on the opposite side where he should have been and these boys were playing baseball and the kid swung the bat and then threw the, the wooden bat across the road and smacked my brother across the head. Amen. I mean, you're talking about uh, this is 19, I guess what 60, 68, 70, something like that. Uh, the revelation technology, you know, that we have now wasn't there. And then they were about to take him to the wrong hospital, and my mom said, "No, you're turning the wrong way. This is where you're supposed to go." That decision saved his life, and God restored him. Some of you met him at my dad's funeral. He's a funny guy. He's hilarious. Quick, just like that. Amen. Miracles. My dad finally succumbed to an aggressive cancer that showed up in his chest, but in the 1980s, he was diagnosed with an incurable disease. Only 11 people on the face of the earth had the disease at that time. Nine of them were dead. Ten was dying and he was the 11th one. This is like 1980, if I remember the date right. He went home to be with Jesus in 2022 of a disease no one survived at that time. Now, what am I doing? I'm just simply saying all the times that God has come through in your health, in your family, in your finances. And I'm going to tell you, the more you meditate on what He has done, the more you're going to love Him. You're going to realize by, by consciousness and revelation, God loves me. What am I going to do? I'm going to perfect the love of God that I believe He loves me. I'm going to perfect it with gratitude. Turn to somebody and tell them, you have a lot to be thankful for. Come on, say, you have a lot to be thankful for. Can't begin to tell you all the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the grace of God. Just like your family, you know, we've seen dark times and challenging times and difficult times. But I can also tell you this, not one time did God not show up. I said, not one time. See, God demonstrated His love in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. What I'm telling you is you can demonstrate, you can see God's hand. You can see His love by all the times He's come through and He's not done loving you yet. Come on, say He's not done done loving loving me yet, but you're going to perfect that dimension of your love walk by actually believing and knowing that God loves you. Come on, shout out. God loves me. God loves God me. Loves me. God loves and what's that going to do? When you have a problem financially, you're not going to get into fear because you're going to say with all your heart, God loves me. Amen. When you're facing a physical battle and there's no hope, you're not going to throw in the towel and become depressed and make arrangements for your death. You're going to say, but God loves me. He did it before. He can do it again. Amen. <laughs> Amen. When you're as down as you can be, despondent and bound up, whatever it is, you're thinking yourself, how am I ever going to crawl out of this hole? But God, from the bottom of that hole, you're going to go, God loves me, 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 me. Because if He did it once, He can do it again. And if He did it anywhere in Scripture for somebody, He'll do it for you because He's no respecter of persons. You perfect the love of God by just every day taking an inventory. I promise you if you'll just be aware and conscious you'll find things to thank God for every single day. Amen. Big and small. Amen. Amen. My wife routinely thanks God for things like parking places. Amen. It doesn't take much to get a praise the Lord out of her mouth. That's right. Thank you Jesus. And mom does this all the time. She thinks there's such things as a parking angel. Yes. An angel in charge of parking places. And I've seen it happen time and time again. Oh, there's my parking angel going to work. Well, I guess a bunch of us, just a bunch of heathen because we don't have them parking angels. <laughs> amen. Going through a line and you see something that's discounted and out comes the praise of the Lord. Why is that? Because you credit it to God. Every good gift and everything, amen, that descends from heaven, from the Father of lights is what? We understand where it came from. Amen. Mm-hmm. And just stop and say, you know, he's done this, he's done that, he's been there time and time again. How could I not think he loves me? He stop, Come on, shout it out. He loves, he loves me. me. Some of you think, well, he loves somebody else. No, he loves you. And he's not done with you. In this room today are people that are that are bound up by thoughts of the days passing you by and opportunities spent and nothing good's gonna happen. You missed the boat somehow, you made a wrong choice. I'm telling you, God still loves you. This book is filled with people who made wrong turns and wrong choices, and God still loves them and still does something with their life. At the end of the day, at least you weren't like Peter. Stand around with cussing, denying the Lord. And yet the Lord did what? Still use him. Amen. Because what? Because God loves Peter. Yes, he does. And he loves you. Yes, he come on, say, God, God loves, loves me. me. Say it with conviction. God loves me. God loves you. you want to perfect that dimension of love every day? Look for his hand. Amen. And if you're struggling, say, you know what? Where did this air come from that I breathe? Where did the strength come from? Any work today? Amen. Where did the ability to pay these gas prices come from? Oh, Lord. And bacon costs how much today? Amen. That's right. That's a great sign of the love of God. You can afford to buy bacon. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Number two, perfect the second dimension. I love God with obedience. Perfect the second dimension of love. I love God with obedience. When you obey God, you're demonstrating love for God. Just like when you start counting your blessings, you realize how much God loves you. When you obey Him, you're demonstrating love for God. 1 John 5 3 For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. John 14, 15 and verse 21. If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Well, I love God because I feel love for Him in my heart. Wrong. If you don't obey His commands, you don't love Him. And some of these commands are very, very simple and easy to entreat. Sometimes they're difficult. They involve transitions and major decisions and really at times crucifying the flesh to say, I choose your will just like Jesus in the garden or with Jonah and, and the enemy that he had to preach to. You know, there are tough times like that, but oftentimes for the Christian today, even the simple things people won't obey. And what are they saying? I don't love God. That's what scripture says. Say it with me. People who obey God love God. People who do not obey God do not love God. Not love God. <laughs> well, now I'm offended. We'll wait for number three. <laughs> not there yet. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Why? The love that leads us to obedience is better than the fear that's motivating the sacrifice. Let's take it to the New Testament. It's better not to sin or disobey, than to need the forgiveness because you did sin or disobey. Does He forgive us? Yes, yes when there comes the time that we should be growing up in our faith and our love and we begin to obey Him. Isaiah 1, verse 11 I'm sick of your sacrifices. Don't bring me any more of them. I don't want your fat rams. I don't want to see the blood from your offerings. Who wants your sacrifices when you have no sorrow for your sins? The incense you bring me is a stench in my nostrils. Your holy celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, even your most pious meetings, all are frauds. I want nothing more to do with them. I hate them all. I can't stand the sight of them. From now on, when you pray with your hands stretched out to heaven, I won't look or listen. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear for your hands are those of murderers. They are covered with the blood of your innocent victims. Oh, wash yourselves, be clean. Let me no longer see you doing all these wicked things. Quit your evil ways. Learn to do good, to be fair, and to help the poor, the fathers, and the widows. In other words, start loving me by doing what I tell you to do. Yeah. Come on, say it. If I love God... I'm going to do what He tells me to do. Now, how many are you glad you're in church today? Yes. Amen. There's a simple command. Forsake not the ascendant of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, somewhat, some people who don't love God. Woo, listen to that silence. <laughs> somewhat. Well, you know, I have my thing and other people have their thing and it doesn't take all that. And I'm not talking about people working. I'm not talking about people that have responsibilities. I'm not talking about people who are infirm. I'm talking about healthy Christians. The scriptures are plain. Jesus modeled that for us. And one of the reasons the devil unleashed COVID is to try to challenge God's people and try to get them to disobey. The good news is if we're in disobedience, we can repent and start all over again. But the bottom line is simple things aren't even being Adhere to because we give ourselves a special license not to have to do that let me tell you what that license is called a lack of love for God I'm in the same boat you're in I'm a work in progress I can't obey things I have no revelation about I can't be expected to try to read between the lines, but when the Word is speaking to something, the Spirit of God is talking to us, we need to be heeding to that, because if we do, that's how we perfect our love, by our obedience. The song you just sang, you know, returning to that place of first love. What does that mean? Where God was more important than anything. When you obey Him, you demonstrate that God is what? Is first. When you disobey, you just put somebody else before God. Amen. Because, you know, being out on a boat fishing is more important than coming to church. Let me tell you something. You are never going to see, amen, deliverance and victory just because you went out on the boat. But you can find deliverance in the house of God. It may have been when Kelly was exhorted about healing. At any moment, God could break through and supernaturally intervene in your life. We disobey because we've given ourselves special license to do so and all you're doing according to the word of God is demonstrating you don't love God like you say you do. Pause for effect. It's different for different people. It's different strongholds for different people. But the essence is the same. If I love God... Amen. From the mouth of Jesus, I will keep his commands. And so it's not, uh, you know, the agenda today to, to tell you what you're not obeying God in. That's the role of the Holy Spirit and his word. But if there is something there, it's not just, no big deal, he'll forgive me. You got to get a hold of this. It means I don't love him, like I say. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen is fear is going to be in your life and your faith's not going to work. You mean to tell me just because I won't keep some simple plain teaching of Scripture that I'm going to walk in fear and faith's not going to work for me? I'm just telling you what the Scripture says. Perfect love, perfected love casts out fear. So the person that blows off even the common, you know, teachings and the simple things we're commanded to do, they're going to walk around in fear. Sometimes somebody might not even know what that fear is, but you know what it is because it grips your heart and it wouldn't be there if you would deal with those areas and let the perfect love of God push that out again. Look, at somebody say, it's different for different people. But you're here this morning. So you're not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. As is the manner of... Some who frankly don't love God. Well, I love God because I worship Him. I, I love God because I serve a lot. I give a lot. I work in the community. I give, you know, I give a lot of my time and I pray. I, I love God. That's obvious. Now, if you're not obeying Him, then you don't love Him. Amen. Hey, Pastor, let's go back to number one. <laughs> Because, you know, I'm not really feeling number two, and I'm pretty sure I really going to be feeling number three. Let's <laughs> say it. We perfect. We perfect. And God loves me with gratitude. We perfect. I love God with obedience. Find that area of disobedience in your life, and you'll find the weakness in your love walk. We only love God to the extent that we obey His commands. What a wonderful thought going back to your first love, where He was first and you wouldn't hesitate to obey Him. Watch this. Hesitation and delays are really just disobedience. Amen? Say it boldly. My love love is being being perfected. Now, without further ado, because you've been waiting for this, Perfect the third dimension of love. I love people with humility. People have a hard time loving others because they lack humility. Listen to this in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed the prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of my income, But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the real issue here. This person hurt me. This person offended me. And basically, I'm better than them. So they don't deserve to be forgiven. A real issue here is a lack of humility on the part of the people who have been hurt. Nobody's saying there wasn't a hurt there, there wasn't a wound there. We're simply saying, what are we supposed to be like? And we're supposed to be like the Lord. Listen to this in Matthew 18. Some people are really bad. I'm glad I'm not like that. Well, let me tell you something. You're worse. Matthew 18, the lesson is, I deserve to be forgiven, but not you. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began to to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Can you say a good hallelujah? But as I read on, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. You see this? He refused. One man owed a million dollar debt, the other servant owed $20 to him. Get the picture. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy to your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured till he would pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Say it from your heart. Amen. So, you get the picture here. This man owes more than he could ever pay back in a lifetime, and he's getting the mercy and the forgiveness of God and turns right out to find somebody who, what? In our economy, it did something very, very small compared to this other man's debt. And he refused. Say he refused. It was willful. In other words, I should be forgiven. But should you offend me, I don't have to forgive you. God help us that if we receive the mercy of God, that we don't withhold it from somebody else. And I have seen it. I mean, I have seen firsthand people receive mercy and grace and love from the body of Christ. And instead of taking that mercy and grace and love and then reciprocating, they do just the opposite. Cancel culture, for example, is pride on display. We're better than you, so we will cancel you. Quite frankly, this was perfected in the church long before the world got a hold of it. Miss Anna, are you hearing that silence out there? Come on, shake your head, everybody say, not me, bless God. (laughs) We can be in fellowship with one another. We can be involved with one another's lives. And then the moment somebody says something you don't like or does something you don't like, wham, just like that, canceled. And then we look at the world and go, oh, that's horrible to judge somebody on one moment in time. And the church has been doing it for decades, hundreds of years. Why would they do that? You can't have cancel culture without pride. Forgiveness is a decision made difficult by pride. I deserve it, but others are worse than me and they don't deserve it. Our hurt always comes with a big dose of pride as well. Always. James 4, 6, but he gave us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Who cares if somebody thinks they got the better of you? Who cares if you think somehow they're going to talk about you because you are the humble one? We're not talking about what man thinks about you. We're talking about the favor of God. Being compromised because you won't walk in humility and say that person deserves to be forgiven just like I was forgiven. Well, they never apologize. And I don't have to forgive somebody that hasn't apologized. What chapter and verse did you get that from? Father says, son, it's time to go. It's time for the incarnation. Got to give those people down there a reason to celebrate in December. Amen. Got to go down. Going to grow up and redeem mankind. And Jesus says, but they haven't asked forgiveness yet. I'm not leaving the throne until they apologize. What do you think that would do for us? Lights out. Game over. No one is saying what people have done to you or said to you is is justified. That's not even the decision. Here. It's not the no one is sanctioning what happened. We're still saying that you and I, if we're gonna walk free from fear and our faith will work, we've got to love, we've got to love people enough to forgive them. Amen. Philippians 2:3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. See, when people do hurt us. They hold less value to us than when they did before they hurt us. And that's not how we should think. Proverbs 13:10, where there's strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Wherever you find somebody in strife, what do you have? You have pride. Fear is gonna be there, faith's not gonna work. Proverbs 16:18: Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. <laughs> and I was just sharing some of these thoughts with Kelly the other night, and she got a real serious look on her face, and she said, uh, <laughs> It just cracked me up. She says, That's like saying my poop doesn't smell, <laughs> but yours does. And the only way that she can, she said, Poop is poop, it all smells. What did you learn at church today? (laughs) Huh? What did you learn? When you're in the world, you used to say things like, well, so-and-so, they don't think their blank stinks. Somewhere along our spiritual development, that thinking should have been corrected. Amen. Amen. And we know that we're just as much in need of His forgiveness and mercy as anybody else. Amen. Amen. Including the one that harmed you. That's it. That's it. James 2.10 You violate one, you violate them all. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it. Amen. That's why there's no cause for pride. They hurt me and I'm above board here. You know, I'm the one with the upper hand. No, what else did you violate? You're on the same page. You are you are the same as that person, not better than that person. You can't perfect love with bitterness, unforgiveness, and strife in your heart. People have latent fears because some dimension of love is not perfected. More often than not, it's this one. Some people go days, weeks, or months, some people go years, some people go a lifetime. Not forgiving someone. You say, what does that mean? It means you just decided how long the term is going to be that I'll be in fear and my faith won't work. You say, oh, I'm doing okay. You're not, you're not t- you know, functioning optimally. That's God's goal for you and for me. Say it, no fear here. No fear. You can tell when you start doing this because fear will diminish and you'll start seeing more manifestation and more results from your faith as you take this seriously there are consequences when we simply won't forgive. And I want to say this again to you today, that forgiveness is not a process. That is a false teaching slipping into the body of Christ through secular counseling, and in some cases people who do recovery ministry, but that's not the truth of the Word of God. Forgiveness is a decision. You may have to make that decision every day or several times a day, but it is not a process. Could you imagine if God viewed it that way? Uh, Father, I'm in the process of forgiving. No. From heavenward to us, there was no process. There was here. Here's the redemption. I receive it. Amen. If we sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. From God's perspective, it's no process. So therefore, from our perspective, it can't be a process. Raise your hand up high if somebody's ever wounded you pretty good. Go ahead. Hank. I'm not saying you did it. You can say it. Go and raise your hand if you've been wounded pretty good. Now, the devil's going to try to use that to do what? Keep you in fear, amen, and compromise your faith. Turn this divine talent. Satan's not worth it, the loss is not worth it. So you're not being perfected in love if you don't believe the love that God has for you, that you're not loving God by obeying Him and that you're not forgiving people. You're not perfecting love. Amen. Yes. My life, people think, my spirituality, my position, my view, my denomination, my church, my spirituality, my doctor, my political position is better than yours. Kelly has a relative in Illinois, and uh, this older gentleman won't even talk to his own son because his son voted for Trump, and he voted for Hillary. You see that? What is that? You mean to tell me that's more important than, than your relationship, more important than your family, than your history? amen, than than what God wants to do in your life. But you see this all the time. You say, that's really, really petty. I would never do that. Well, there are a lot of people in our country doing that very thing. I love you unless you vote for the wrong person. Really? (laughs) I had somebody tell me one time, it was my fault that Obama got elected. I'm not speechless very often. It wasn't that McCain and Romney were terrible candidates. It was that I, was, I am personally responsible for Obama being elected from Murray, Kentucky. Everybody say, God bless Obama. I didn't vote for him because I don't agree with any of his policies and still don't. So I didn't vote for him. So, how am I responsible? From Western Kentucky. You say, boy, pastor, do you have to deal with this issue? Let me just sow the phrase that God gave me to you today, okay? All right? Y'all ready for this? Are you ready for this? Because I want you to walk out of here with a handle on it. Not beat up. Not discouraged. But walking out here saying, you know what? Fear is leaving my life in Jesus' name. And my faith is going to work better than it ever has in my entire life. Amen? Amen. Saying, I'm seeing harvests coming in. On every way, I'm seeing the blessing manifest in my life. Because I'm not going to block it anymore by not having a perfect love. I'm pushing that issue off to the side. Mom knows this is true. You know, when we were kids, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, as soon as it was daylight, we were out the door in the summer. And she would say things like, in or out, if you come in, you're staying in. Get out. Shoot, little bird. <laughs> and we would be gone. I mean, we lived in a day where we could ride miles on our bikes with no threat of some pervert trying to capture us and sell us or whatever the case may be. Amen. We just played. One of the wonderful things we would do is go down to the end of the neighborhood and there was a vacant lot with broken glass and concrete and all kinds of things that kids get cut and scraped on. And we play wiffle ball all day long. You know where they got the name wiffle ball from? Whiffing. And we would play and some of us get pretty good. Then we get into the park leagues and we play baseball and some would excel in hitting and some would excel in fielding. I had quite a pitching arm and and some would grow up and play in high school or get really good offers, maybe play on scholarship in college. And then some of those folks get drafted into the farm system. And if they're really blessed of God, they end up playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. If they're cursed, they go play for the Cubs. (laughs) But if they make it, right? They're playing in Springfield, and they're playing in Memphis, and then one day they get that call to come to St. Louis. If they get to that level to get on a roster, they have mastered fundamentals. And these are people we would call professionals. They are the best at what they do. They're not wiffle ball players, you know, or hackers in Little League. They're professional. And God is telling you and me today that we need to become professional forgivers. Come on, confess that I I am am a professional. professional. Say, a professional forgiver. I just don't play, you know, in summer wiffle ball with it. It's my life. I'm very good at it. I've mastered the fundamentals here. And I get paid really well for it. What do you get paid for? You get fear driven out of your life and your faith works. Amen. Now, unless you've been under a rock, you know that COVID was a challenge to number three. I have a lot of brothers in the ministry and people that have dealt with this issue, and and I'm telling you what, it was like walking through a minefield dealing with the opinions of people. Amen. So look at somebody in town, Pastor Art is about to say some things. Don't get offended. That's number three. Instead, say, I'm a professional. Hey, pastor, that means half your message. i got to sit there and confess. I'm a professional. I'm a professional. I'm a <laughs> professional. Say, I'm a professional forgiver. <laughs> you know what? Because the professional forgiver forgave you. The best of the best. The most loving. The kindness. The pastors would write about this now and talk about this and they'd say, and, and we didn't have it to, to the extent that some of the churches have because some churches out there are very, very, very liberal. They're very, very much on the other side and maybe even legalistic, that kind of thing. And, you know, that one person would say, I I don't like your distance policy. What's this? People are supposed to be close. The body of Christ needs a fellowship. I don't like that six feet thing. Because, you know, when COVID got up past six feet, it wouldn't work. Six and a half feet, 6.2 feet, 6.1, six feet and one inch. Won't work. Just like COVID only works at church. But COVID is automatically blocked by the aura and essence of Walmart. And so pastors are like uh, getting nailed because. Their separation policy is not wide enough or it's too wide. Their mass policy is too stringent or it's not stringent enough. They took too much time proposing and pushing the vaccine or they didn't push the vaccine. And on and on and on it goes. You know what God is saying to the household of faith who is serious about driving fear out and who is serious about their faith working? Say I'm a professional forgiver. Say I'm a professional forgiver. Allow God to minister to your heart and get things back in perspective. How dare we put anything above the principles of the Word of God? In other words, there are pastors that have said, you know what? We just could not win for losing. You know what church should have been doing? Rallying around the Word of God. Amen. Applying what you were taught. Yes. Psalm 91 protection didn't end just because COVID showed up. Amen. Are you here, church? Yes. You fight the fight of faith. You use your wisdom. But what was all of that strife about? At that moment, fear increased and faith was shut down because we gave ourselves permission. This is so important. We can be in strife about it. No, say it. I'm a professional forgiver. Say it like me and I am professional at forgiving. And you know, we ought to be by now. We've had a lot of experience. I'm tired of forgiving. How long do I have to forgive? 70 times 7? No. In perpetuity. How long do you get forgiven? How often do you get forgiven? Long time. Amen. So say it. Fear is gone. No fear here. Say it. My faith works in every situation. I'm perfecting love. I believe. The Father loves me. I give Him gratitude and thanksgiving every day because I know He loves me. He has shown that He loves me. Say, I'm perfecting love because I love Him. I love Him as I obey Him. I repent for any disobedience because that disobedience said, I don't love Him. I repent of that. Said, I perfect love By forgiving others, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how they act. I've been forgiven much. I forgive much. Say, I'm a professional at forgiving. Can you see that? What's going to happen? You're going to wake up here in a few days and all those fears are gone. Amen. Amen. You're going to watch and see how more and more and more your faith is working in your life. Amen. It's coming out of love as a fear instigator and it is a faith destroyer. And the day we're in right now, we can't afford to have it that way. Amen. Give him a big hand clap and thank him if you didn't receive that.